reading from 2 Peter 1, verses 1 through 11. And if you're reading in the Bibles, um, it's page 983. Sorry, if you're reading in the Pew Bible, it's page 983, or you can follow along behind me. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of, G of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corrup corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to each of you. See you here this morning. Good to be with you. Uh, we heard a lot this morning about something called FEB from our missions update. Uh, maybe you don't know that our church is part of what is known as the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches of Canada. So Fellowship of Evangelical Baptists, that's FEB. It's our denomination, except that Baptists, for some reason, don't like the word denomination because of the history, I think, behind that. And so we call it a fellowship. And our fellowship is the whole nation of Canada, but it's divided into regions, and we're part of the one that's Ontario and English-speaking Quebec, so any church that speaks English in Quebec, and we call that region Feb Central. And so Bashara, in that video, is now the, the director of church planting, starting new churches with Feb Central, as well as being a missionary overseas. But if you were to call the offices of Feb Central, you would uh, get to talk to their office administrator, whose name is Joan. Joan's uh, amazing and really helpful, and all the pastors that I talk to in Feb Central know her and appreciate her and have been helped by her in various ways. In various ways. But uh, all those pastors can only get a hold of her during office hours. I, on the other hand, can get a hold of her anytime I want to. I have her personal cell phone number, uh, and she picks up right away or calls me back as quickly as I can. And, and even she usually calls me more than I call her. We have a very close relationship. She calls me to see how I'm doing, how Becky's doing, how the kids are. She has us over for dinner all the time, loves cooking for us. She even does things like fix the hem on my pants when they aren't the right length. But she doesn't do any of that for other pastors. Now, if that sounds a bit strange, don't worry. I mean, she's, she's my mom's age. She's exactly my mom's age. She's my mom. So, 
And because of the relationship that I have with her and the way that I know her, I have lots of privileges that other pastors don't get. And that's kind of what it's like to be a Christian. The entire Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing the right person, and specifically, obviously, knowing Jesus. Today we're beginning a sermon series on the book of 2 Peter in the New Testament. This little book, it's towards the back of your Bible. It's a letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to some Christians who needed a a reminder of what it looked like to live the Christian life. He probably wrote this letter to to a number of churches uh, who, who were in what is now called Turkey, and then it was called Asia Minor. And they're facing some challenges And they tried to live the Christian life through those challenges. Now, specifically, we're going to see later on in the book, not this week, that the challenges they're facing are some false teachers. infiltrated the church pretending to be Christians or have fallen away from the faith they once said they had. And now they're living immoral lives and trying to encourage everybody else to do the same. So Peter wrote them this letter to remind these Christians how to live the Christian life well. But what is he particularly reminding them of? Well, I said it a moment ago. What he's reminding them of is this, that the entire Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. That's Peter's big theme in the whole letter, and it's our big idea in the sermon today. The entire Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. Now, many or most of us here today are Christians And you and I face all kinds of distractions and temptations in our Christian life. Whether it's just difficult situations at home, grief, discouragement, our own sin that easily tempts us and tangles us up, or fear of what people will say or do to us if they know that we love Jesus. Whatever we face, we need this reminder today of what the Christian life is, a gift that comes through the knowledge or knowing Jesus. Now, why is that going to help us? It's going to remind us of what's good. It's going to motivate us to stand firm. Let me show you how. In this passage, we're going to see three aspects of how, of, of how the truth that the Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing Jesus, how that, how that truth applies to us, how, what it means, and how we should respond. The first one is this. We were saved from sin in the past as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. There's a past tense sense to this. We were saved from sin in the past as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. So look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 again with me. We read in there, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Now, this is a fairly standard uh, opening to a letter in the time and place that Peter was writing. He's in the first century AD. He's in the, the Near East. Now, today, if you write a letter, if anyone still does that, or an email, maybe, we start by putting the name of the person it's for. If I was writing to my wife, Dear Becky. And then we write the message, and then we sign our name at the end. That's just the way we do it. Young guys and girls, maybe that's why your parents sign their text messages at the end from mom, even though you know it's for them because it says so on your phone. It's just the standard way that we're used to writing these kind of things, and it's hard to break that record. 
Well, back then, the standard was different. You started with your own name and who you were. And then you put who the letter is to and what your relationship is to them. And that's exactly what Peter is doing here, right? Simon Peter, as we know, most of, most of us, that he's one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Those disciples are also known as the apostles. That word apostle means sent ones, ones who've been sent. And Peter was, in fact, a leader of the apostles. The apostles have been given a specific authority from Jesus to teach the world who he was and who he is. Their teaching had an authority as a first-hand eyewitness with the official seal of Jesus on it. They were sent by him. That's, that's what it means that they were apostles. They laid the foundation of the church by what they taught. Their writings became the New Testament, as we see Peter's letter here is in the New Testament, along with a few other documents and letters written by people who were associated with them, who had their stamp of approval. Yes, we can use this as official teaching about Jesus. So when Peter begins the letter, he introduces himself by saying, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm an apostle of Jesus and also a servant of Jesus. So he humbles himself. He says, I'm not on the same level of Jesus. I'm Jesus' servant. In fact, the word servant is actually closer to slave than servant. This role isn't voluntary. Jesus owns him. Jesus is his Lord and his master. But even the claim of being a servant or, or a slave in that time period would have been a, cl a claim of authority. In the ancient world, if the Roman emperor, if Caesar sends his servant to you to give you a command, you don't say, I don't have to obey you. You're a slave. You understand that he carries the authority of Caesar with him. And to disobey him would be to disobey the Roman emperor. And so Peter introduces himself with authority. What he's writing aren't just his words, but the very words of Jesus. And we're going to see him say that more explicitly in a few weeks when we get to the end of chapter 1. But as we read it, this, there's, a, there's a challenge for us in here. There's an inherent command for us to take these words seriously. As the words of Jesus. <clears throat> so he says who he is, and then he tells us who he's writing to, and what the relationship he has with him is. He says, To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. He says, I'm writing to people whose faith that they've received is as precious as the faith that I have. Now Peter starts off his letter with authority, but he doesn't put the, the, the recipients of the letter, down in any way. He says they're his brothers and sisters in Christ. They're equals before God. They've received a faith that's just as precious as his. That phrase, just as precious, is translated a bit more literally in the English Standard Version, another English version of the Bible. And there we read that their faith is of equal standing. It's not a second-class faith. It's just as important. They have just as much as, of God's love as the Apostle Peter does. You know, there's one other pastor currently working that has just as much access to my mom as I do. My brother Peter is a, a youth pastor in Pickering. It doesn't matter that I'm the firstborn or that I've been a pastor longer or that I have given her three granddaughters. She loves Peter just as much as she loves me and, and Beth, my sister, and our other siblings, John and Peter, too. Although I'm pretty sure she loves her grandkids more than any of us. Now, it, it's pretty impressive to be able to say that you have a faith of equal standing to that of the men who wrote the Bible. 
Sounds like an accomplishment, doesn't it? And you know something? This letter isn't just written to those Christians who lived in Turkey 2,000 years ago. It's also for us, which is why we still have it in the Bible. And if you're a Christian today, the truth about you is that you have a faith of equal standing, just as precious as the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John and all those men. Let, let that sink in for a moment. But then we need to remember also that there's no room for any kind of sense of accomplishment or pride here because you did nothing to achieve that faith. This verse says that we received this faith and it was, it was given to us. And it was given to us through the righteousness, what does it say? Through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the end of verse 1 there. It wasn't because we were good enough but by the goodness and righteousness, the moral perfection of Jesus. The man who saved us by dying on the cross and rising again, who is more than a man, but is our God and Savior himself. This is the one that Aaron spoke of last week, if you were here, from Colossians 1. The one through whom and for whom all things were created. And the one in whom all things hold together. It's his righteousness. His goodness that was given to us as he took our sin and paid the price for us on the cross. That, that faith is what it means to know Jesus. Now listen, not just to know about him, but to enter into a relationship with him. I'm sure I've told you this before, but I went to high school in New York State in a town called Ithaca, and there was a guy in my gym class named Dustin Brown who was only around after the OHL season because after his sophomore year, he led our state championship, or, or led our hockey team to the state championship in New York, and then he got drafted to the Guelph Storm. And after high school, he played for the LA Kings for 19 seasons, and he was the captain for a bunch of those years, and he won the Stanley Cup twice, and he was in the Olympics twice, and he won the, the silver medal in 2010. The Kings retired his jersey when he retired. They built a statue to him. There's only three L.A. Kings that have a statue. One of them is Wayne Gretzky, and one of them is Dustin Brown. That guy was in my gym class. And actually, he didn't know how to run because he skated so much. He couldn't figure out how to run anymore. But I don't know him. Maybe he would remember Steve Lambert, that dorky kid in his gym class. But I doubt it. There was, there was no relationship. Look, I had to look up all that information about him. I didn't know. I knew he was on the LA Kings, and that was about it. But if you're a Christian, you have faith in Jesus. Right? You know him. You don't have a semi-impressive story about how your lives cross paths for a while. Right? You know Jesus. That knowledge of Jesus, the faith that we have in him, the relationship we have with him is the basis of the gift of salvation that God gives us. Right? The Bible tells us that because we're sinners, we deserve God's punishment for our sin. But that God loved us so much that he saved us from that sin. Though we don't deserve it, though we couldn't earn that salvation, and that it came as we saw through Jesus' righteousness, not through our own goodness, it's just grace. That, grace. that word grace in the Bible literally just means it's a gift. It's free. Our salvation is a gift from God that gives us peace with God, even though we made ourselves his enemies. And that grace and that peace that comes with it, they come through the knowledge of Jesus. Right? That's exactly what 
Peter says in verse 2, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Earlier we were talking about the standard format of a letter back in the first century A.D. This is just continuing that format. After you said who you were and, and who the letter was for, you would send a greeting. If you were a Greek, you would say the word charis, which means grace. If you're a Hebrew, you would say shalom, which means peace. If you wanted to cover all your bases, you would say grace and peace. But it seems like a Christian tradition grew up around how to begin letters because Peter does something really cool here that is basically the same thing that happens in every letter in the New Testament. He turns this standard greeting, grace and peace, into teaching on Christian theology, Christian truth. He says grace and peace to you, but specifically through the knowledge of God the Father and Jesus our Lord. It's knowing Jesus that brings grace, knowing his Father. The gift of God that comes through knowing him and and the peace that goes with it. But notice back in verse 1 that Peter doesn't say that even, he doesn't even say that because we've we've provided faith in Jesus that we've received grace. He doesn't say "You, you had faith and now you get to have grace. He says we received our faith on the basis of what Jesus did and who he is. Even the faith, even the knowledge of Jesus is a gift from God. We can't have the gift of salvation without knowing Jesus and having faith in him, but we couldn't even cover that part. God had to give that to us as well. Now, all that is stuff you're probably fairly familiar with, but let me ask you a question about it. Did any of that stir your heart a little bit with excitement? Do you feel awe for who Christ is and what he's done for us in your heart? He saved us so incredibly as a gift through relationship with him, through knowledge of him. And that knowledge and relationship is in itself a gift. That cost of that gift was his death and the cross and the punishment of God that should have been ours. Listen, don't let that incredible news lose its power in your heart. Ask God to fan it into a flame that will burn brightly in you. God, would you do that for us? Because this is how you live the Christian life. You need to remember that you were saved in the past tense from a sin as a gift that comes through through knowing Jesus. And if you know that and hold on to that, you will be able to stand firm when discouragement and temptation come. That's going to bring us to the second aspect of how the entire Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. The first one was that we have been saved, we were saved in the past tense from sin as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. The second aspect is that we are being saved from sin in the present as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. We've done it in the past, but now it's happening in the present, currently in your life. We are being saved from sin in the present as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, His, that's Jesus's, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him, that's Jesus, who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Listen, the Christian life isn't just a one-time decision to follow Jesus. No relationship is just a one-time decision. 
My marriage to Becky isn't just the vows that we made almost 10 years ago. Those vows are the foundation of our relationship, but if we don't have a relationship ongoing every day where we choose to love each other and work through problems and work together and spend time together and fight for our relationship, if we don't do that, then we don't have a relationship. And the Christian life is similar. We aren't just saved once and then we can go on just as we were before not thinking about it anymore, living however we want to. Christian life is a walk with Jesus every day. We need to live a godly life. But just like we couldn't provide anything, including faith, to be saved in the first place, we actually can't live a godly life on our own either. Our sin may be forgiven when we put our faith in Jesus. And and, and the Bible teaches that we're even freed from its power in a very real sense But the sin is still there, demanding that we turn from Jesus and come back to it. And we still love our sin, so we do. We so often do go back to it. Before my dad dated my mom, he had a girlfriend named Nancy. It wasn't a great relationship, at least that's the way my mom tells the story. (laughs) But they broke up, and my dad started getting to know my mom. But right in the middle of that, Nancy came back and wanted to get back together with my dad. And he went back for a while. Now, I've never met Nancy. I feel kind of bad comparing her to sin. I'm sure she's a very decent person. (laughs) But we do the same thing that my dad did, and we go back to our old love. We go back to sin, even though it's not what's best for us. In the case of sin, it's, it's bad for us. It's destructive in our lives. But listen, you need to understand this distinction. You don't have to do that. Do it because you want to. You can read about that if you read Romans 6 and 7. It goes into that in a lot more detail. We don't have time to go into that deeply today. But but you need to understand this. Even though you've been saved by sin, when you became a Christian, you were saved. Not by sin. Saved from sin, excuse me. By Jesus. But even though you've been saved from sin, we still need to be saved from sin in the present tense. By God giving us what we need to turn from sin and to live a godly life every day. Right? And that's exactly what verse 3 says that he's done. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and goodness. Notice that Jesus has given us what we need. That's grace. It's a gift. And the gift comes through the knowledge of Jesus, through knowing Jesus called us to himself in the first place. Right? The reason that we don't have to go back to sin is because Jesus isn't just our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our Master, like, like Peter said about himself. Jesus, Peter says in here that Jesus called us to himself so that we could belong to him. And Peter's not saying that Jesus called us and that he gave us an invitation. And it was really up to us how we chose to respond. No, it means... Jesus claimed us as his with authority. He says, you're mine. Come to me. It wasn't us. It was him that did it. And knowing that, knowing him, knowing Jesus, our Lord and Master, our King, is what unlocks his divine power so that we can be free from sin and live a godly life. Do you know that? When you struggle with sin, you don't have to give in. You don't. 
It's never impossible to say no. You have everything you need to live a godly life. Every tool, all the strength, every strategy. You can fight sin and be victoriously obedient to your King Jesus, the one who called you to be his. Now listen to what Peter says in verse 4. He's just been talking about the, the glory and goodness of Jesus. He says, through these, so through the glory and goodness of Jesus, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So what has Jesus given us? He's given us very great and precious promises. Promises that we can hold on to to help us. Now what, what are these promises? Now, there are so many in the Bible. Let me show you a few. We talked about Romans 6 briefly. Let me show you just one verse from that chapter. Romans 6, 14 says, Sin shall no longer be your master. That is a promise. You can say no to sin. It's not your master. You can add to that Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or give in to the desires of the flesh. His the Holy Spirit of God is in you if you're a Christian, actively fighting for you, fighting the sin that's hardwired into your body. Listen, you aren't basically a good person who gets influenced from outside sometimes to do bad things. Sin comes from your heart because you love it, you want it. But the Spirit of God, if you're a Christian, is at work in you, changing your heart. Your main job is just to walk with Him or, or, or submit to him. How do you do that? Well, start by diving into the knowledge of Jesus every day. It's that, the knowledge of Jesus that gives us everything we need. You do that by spending time reading your Bible and praying. Right? You don't read your Bible and pray because that makes God happy with you, it saves you in any way. You do it because it helps you to know Jesus better and to love him instead of your sin. Helps you to remember the power he's given you to live a godly life. Most of us don't believe that we can say no to sin all the time. You have to remember that it's true. Sin is not my master. I am dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, one of my uh, favorite professors in the seminary was a man named Dr. David Barker. He was also one of the most demanding professors I had in the seminary. Well, some profs would assign 15-page papers double-spaced. He would assign 20-page papers single-spaced. That's a long paper. But I remember in one of my courses, he assigned one of these papers, and there was an audible groan that went out across the, the, the class because we were, I don't know, not respectful, I guess. And you know what he did? He responded, and he said this. Education is the one thing in the world that people are willing to pay for but not receive. Think about that. Like going to post-secondary school costs money, but people... Pay money to go and learn, but the education isn't just downloaded into your brain like we're in the Matrix. That'd be nice, but that's not how it works. It requires work on the part of the students. Dr. Barker wasn't assigning us a paper to keep us busy, but because doing research and writing about it helps you to learn. My point here is that gaining knowledge takes work. You know, all Christians say, this is one of the most common things I hear from Christians, they want to know Jesus more and feel closer to him. We want to fight our sin more. But here's the question. Are you willing to use the tools that he's given you to do so? It's going to take discipline in your life. 
It doesn't come naturally, but it will make a difference. We're told over and over again to put off the old self and put on the new self. That's a, that's a habit. Sometimes reading the Bible doesn't feel like you really mean it. Well, that's okay. Put it on and keep learning to do it. You have to know the right reason to do it. The right reason is because you want to know Jesus, not just so you can check it off your list for the day, but because you want to know Jesus. You need to spend time with him. You need to look for him in the Bible. Not just what I should do or what I should know, but what does this tell me about Jesus? Who is he? What has he done for me? Remind me of what's true. And then when you pray, you pray for these things. Now, now here's the problem. I think most of us, or many Christians at least, have very anemic prayers. Sometimes we'll say things like, God bless me today. Or even just, God help me say no to sin. We need to say more than that. Say something like, God, this sin that I'm struggling with, and then tell God what the sin is. Right? Don't be vague about it, but specifically what the sin is you're struggling with. It's got a grip on my heart, God. I'm so sorry that I love this sin more than I love you. I know that it's, it's terrible. It's not good. It's ugly and destructive. Help me to remember that. That it hurts the people that I care about when I do it. That I feel gross and empty inside afterwards. And worst of all, I offend you. Father, forgive me. Change my heart by your spirit so that I don't think it's good. Holy Spirit, put this sin to death in me. Help me see through the deception of the bait to the hook and the death that's underneath. Help me to run from it and run willingly back to you. Pray prayers like that with other Christians. Other Christians can hold you accountable and help you. This is one of the things that God's divine power has granted you is that you're not doing this by yourself. Guys, Please, if you're available tonight at 6, online or in person, come pray with us. I know it's intimidating, it's scary, it's boring, it's something you'd rather not, rather not do. And, and there's some legitimate excuses. Some of you have kids you've got to put to bed and all that kind of stuff. We need to be praying together. We do this every month. It's just one thing to try and include how do we pray together as a church. And guys... Find someone who can help you, that you can ask for prayer and for accountability and for support. And then don't just look for someone to help you, but look for people that you can help too, right? God's given you to other people by his divine power to help them as well. This is the life that we live together. We need to, be, we need to, need to remember that we're being saved from sin in the present tense as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. But there's one more aspect, and you can probably guess what it is based on how this has been going, there's one more aspect of how the Christian life is a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. It's not just that we've been saved, by, saved from sin in the past as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. It's not just that we're being saved from sin in the present as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus, but also we will be saved in the future as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. There's a future aspect of this. We, the, the job's not done fully yet. So we will be saved from sin in the future as a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. Now, one of the greatest promises, we're talking about the promises we've received from God, one of the greatest promises that are, is in the New Testament, and as we read through 2 Peter, he's going to talk about this kind of thing a lot. So probably what Peter is actually talking about when he, when he says this promise is the future hope that one day Jesus is going to come back for his people. 
The reason that's so important is 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, We know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves as he is pure. Listen, when, when Jesus came the first time, he defeated death and sin on the cross. And when we believed in him, we were saved from sin. Then, but then Jesus ascended back into heaven to be with his Father, and the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit is working in us today to save us from sin and to change us to be more like Christ. That's a process that started. We began to participate in the divine nature. That's what verse 4 says. And it goes on and says, We became like Jesus, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You do not have to give in to sin. It's not who you are anymore. The Holy Spirit has changed us, even though we still struggle with this every day. But that's not the end of the story. One day Jesus will come back and he will finish the mission that he started. And sin will be done away with once and for all and there will be no more struggle. But those who did not know Jesus, those who did not gain the salvation that we're talking about through knowing Jesus, will be judged when Jesus comes back. He'll take the judgment that all of us deserve, the judgment that Jesus took for us, and this letter that Peter wrote is going to dive deep into that truth as a warning to us all. We'll see that in a few weeks. But it's specifically a warning for those of you who don't know Jesus. This judgment is, is waiting for you unless you put your faith in Jesus. Now we said all along that this, is, this faith is a gift from God. It's not anything we provide. We know that's true from God's perspective. From our perspective, we don't really understand how that works. But we do know that there's a calling there's a responsibility put on us to say, will you listen and respond? Will you hear and obey? Will you believe? <clears throat> God is the one who gives the gift, but somehow you have a responsibility in this as well. So I'm going to ask you and beg you, please, if you are here and not a Christian, or if you're watching online and you're not a Christian, will you turn to Jesus today? from your sin and receive the gift of salvation through knowing him. If you do, you'll be saved from sin. You'll start this process of being saved from sin every day in the present. And one day when Jesus returns or when you die and are with him in heaven, you'll be saved from sin completely. You will be gone and we will be perfect like he is. Well, that matters now because as John 1 John 3, 3 says, all who have this hope, this, this knowledge that Jesus is going to come back and make us perfect, is all who have this hope in him, in Jesus, purify themselves just as he is pure. Listen, you and I, we're not fighting a fight wondering what the outcome will be. Man, I hope this works. I hope one day I get there. I hope one day I make it. You are fighting a fight that you know is already won. There is a promise that you will stand before Jesus without any sin perfect and blameless because of what he's done. You will be like Jesus one day. You know that. You know that you know what Jesus has promised and the grace you will receive. And so you're encouraged to stand on the promise and the grace he has given and live a godly life, a godly Christian life today. We need to remember 
the entire Christian life, past, present, future, it's a gift that comes through knowing Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for this little letter that Peter wrote to these Christians and that's here for us today. That the words that Peter wrote down were not just his own words, but Holy Spirit, you moved through him so that what he wrote were the very words of God. He spoke with authority as an apostle sent by Jesus. And he reminds us of this very simple truth that we need to know Jesus in the past and more and more in the present and know that he's coming for us in the future as a gift of love that comes from his righteousness, not ours. Father, help us to hold fast to this truth. Hold on to these promises. Love and know Jesus more and walk by your spirit so that we can honor you, whatever comes in our life. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.